0: We are not done with our with our other series at all, but I wanted us to be able to take care of some of the things that are on all of our minds. You know, Brother Keith is very dear to us, Amen. and so we need to get renewed on some of the things that are in the Word, so that we are facing these things in the in the right way. Uh, a very similar thing was going on with the Bacon's too, and so we want to. To help with that, we had mentioned to you, I guess it was last Sunday, that uh, I was writing down some things, working on some things about how to pray for those who can't pray for themselves. With the way this week unfolded, it would seem that now would be a good time to get into that. <laughs> so we're going to spend some time looking at this, um, probably two, three weeks. I know of at least three of the stories of Jesus. He, I love Jesus' story of His healing miracles. They are just some of my favorites. We've got at least three of them on, on tap to take a look at. But we're taking a look at it from just this aspect of it. Because the Word of God does tell us how to pray for people who can't pray for themselves. It tells us how to do that. And there's actually two things, two things we told you about that. How can we overcome bad directions set by our own words and low expectations that grow out of past failures from ourselves... Or from other people? How do we do that? And how do we pray for those people that can't pray for themselves? They're unconscious. They're um, not in a place to be able to do that. So we want to take a look because the Word of God gives us ways to do it. A lot of times we're just kind of, well, I just pray and I expect God to give me words. And uh, how many, don't, don't raise your hand. But how many have ever prayed, God just give me the right words to pray and you don't pray in tongues, you just pray in English, but you just pray whatever comes to you. See, that's a useless prayer. I'm sorry to have to tell you that. But that's a useless prayer. Don't bother with it. You see, if you pray that, you can't have faith in it because you don't know. If you're going to pray in English for something, then you have to have the basis basis of faith to believe for it. And if you're just asking God to put words in your mouth, they are not words based on knowledge or understanding. And you won't have faith for it. Now, if you don't know how to pray and you're praying in the Spirit for it, that's fine. Praying in the Spirit for it. That's a, that's a good way to do it. Just understand you're not engaging your faith. Praying in the Spirit will not engage your faith because it bypasses your understanding. There's plenty of places for that, for that type of prayer. I'm not telling you never pray in the Spirit because it bypasses understanding. No, that's actually the best part of that prayer. You are not limited to your understanding. You can pray for for other things. But for things you need faith for, that 's not something that you ought to pray in, in, in tongues uh, to, to accomplish i'm sorry that's uh you need to you need need to have understanding so we want to go over some of the things in the Word of God what does the word of God actually teach us about this not the what does man 's wisdom teach us what has our experience taught us what does the word of God teach us about this because this is an area that is covered in scripture and so we want to take a look at it but I wrote these things. I want you to write these three things down. What God can do for me is affected by my... And there's three things here. What God can do for me is affected by my words. It is affected by my will. And it is affected by my works. Those three things will affect what God can do for you. The most of anything. Now, thoughts is not in there, is it? There's a reason for it, and we'll show you this as we get through some of these things in the the Word. The most important things you need to focus on in order to open the door for what God can do for you are your words, your will, and your works. How many times has Jesus come up to people who need healing, and what does He say to them? What would you have me do for you? I'm asking about your will. What is your will in this situation? Your will is important. If God is going to bless you with something, your will is involved. He's not just going to bless you with what He wills. He's going to make sure that you agree with it. You need to get in that in that spot. Um, Now, I put in parentheses this. These three things will affect what God can do for you along with the depth of His wisdom and power in each. As your wisdom grows in words, will, and works, so too can what God can do for you. Now, what others can pray for or speak to on my behalf is also affected. Your prayers for someone else are greatly affected by their words. If they are speaking words in one direction, you cannot pray in another. Cannot do it. You may want to, you may desire to, everything in you may want to, but understand this God is in the same boat you are. He wants to. He wants these things to come out to you. But if our words are not in line with what His will what His Word says, we cut it off. You don't need to do that, but we do that often. So our purpose here is to change the bad you may have already spoken. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many believe you may have spoken some bad words in the past? What's a, How can we change that? Is there a way we can change the bad words we have said in the past and learn how to help those who can't speak at all? Now, I put this in it. I want you to say this every once in a while to yourself. When in doubt, when in doubt. Don't, speak it out. don't speak it out. If you're not sure if this is something of faith, then shut up. Don't speak it. You get in a whole lot less trouble for things you think than things you speak. Think the last time you were watching some movie or some TV show and one of the characters on it said something instead of thought it. Did he not get in a whole lot more heap of trouble? Because he said it. You know, sometimes I come up with that line, oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) I I was meaning to think it. You won't get into nearly as much trouble if you think something as if you say it. Of course, our poster child for this, y'all remember him? Back in the Old Testament? Man who spoke up and said, this cannot be if the, all, if heaven opened up the doors and the windows and poured everything out, this wouldn't happen. And so the prophet said to him, well, you'll hear about it, but you won't see it. <laughs> and sure enough, when the news came that all this abundance was there, The people got so excited, they trampled him on their way to get there. Only him. How many of the people do you think are in that crowd that are thinking the same thing he said? But he's the one who said it, and he's the one who reaped it. When you have the children of Israel going through the wilderness, how many times did God hold them accountable for their thoughts? How many times did you hold them accountable for their words? Can you see the difference? Just because you had a thought and you stopped it, I don't mean nothing, you stopped it. I didn't say it. I didn't speak it out. It is imperative that you learn this lesson. Don't speak it. When in doubt, don't speak it out. Just hush. Keep quiet about it. Think about it. Go back to the Word. Get renewed on the Word a little bit. Because when in doubt, don't speak it out. Now, you can think it through, renew your mind, but don't give voice to your fear and doubt that's coming up on the inside. You can think it through. The Word of God tells us to renew our mind. Go through it on your mind. Meditate on the Word. Get that taken care of. But here, let's go over to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now, my favorite passages for this particular uh, miracle is in Mark and in Luke. They are my favorite. Matthew basically just tells you, oh, by the way, this happened. If you don't believe me, go back and take a look at Matthew's account for, for this. But, uh, now, if you, if you have been some of those folks that have uh, listened to me and put olive tree on your phone, how many people have put olive tree on their phone? How many people still don't have olive tree on your phone? You disobedient. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Maybe you don't just don't want it. But if you have olive tree on your phone, and there's probably other ones that do this too, but olive tree will do this. If you look up this story up at the heading, it gives you the reference for every other place that's in Scripture. It's really handy in the Gospels because it tells you the, where this story is found in Luke, and you can just touch it and go right on over and compare it and see how did Luke render this? How did Matthew render this? What did John say? When he, and the references are right there. They give you the entire passage. You just click on it, you go right on over there, and you can do some comparison. That's very, very helpful for Bible study. There's probably other Bible apps out there that do that too, but I know Olive Tree does, and it is a free app. You can buy translations, like I said, but you don't have to. You can just use the free one. Let's read this over here in verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, I'm sorry, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter die, lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now he comes on behalf of another who's sick, isn't he? She is very likely weak. It is possible, but I do not know, but it is possible that she is unconscious. But she is at least very weak. You don't see some little kid outside in the yard playing in the in the dirt who's on the verge of death. A child who's on the verge of death is where? Probably on the bed. Probably uh, being tended to as much as you can, trying to alleviate whatever symptoms that they're having. If it's a fever... Then we're trying to cool them. Whatever it might be. But they recognize that death is at the door. That her life is slipping away. So she is in bad shape. Let's just assume that she can say words. Let's that's, that's assume right now that she is uh, conscious and able to say words. That's the best case scenario. We'll take the, the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is she unca- she's unconscious. She can't say a word. Uh, she's probably in bad enough shape to not be able to make the trip, which is not a long trip. It doesn't take Jesus too long to get there. But they don't have her make the trip. They apparently don't even put her on a bed and carry her there. But he comes to get Jesus. Now, he's got a problem. How many can, can attest to this, you have had a problem? Anybody have a problem in their life? We've had problems, right? Problems have come up. Now, I want you to see what he does with this problem. Jairus has a plan he desires Jesus to follow. He's got first off a problem, secondly, he's got a plan, and third, he's got a proclamation. That's great, isn't it? He's got a problem, he's got a plan, and he's got a proclamation. Now think about your own problems that you've had in your life. How many times have you had a problem come up in your life, but you have no plan? I don't know what to do with this. You go to God in prayer. God, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm lost. You do not have a plan. You have a problem, but you have no plan. I mean, that's a tough place to be. I I have no plan. I don't know what to say to do I don't. I can't figure out what to do with this thing I have no plan he's got a plan so right now he's got this in his favor he's got a problem he's got a plan and he's got a proclamation now Jairus he's, he's one of the rulers of the synagogue that means he's a religious folk how many believe that a religious person can come up with a really good plan Might be suspect, huh? Might be suspect. That's just, it's uh, take, it, uh, take it over here. Max, if you're playing a video game and you have a video game that you've been playing for years and somebody, a novice, let's say your sister comes in and she's never played the video game before and she sees what you're doing and she comes up with a plan of how you can get to the next level. Are you listening? No, we're not listening. No, Why? because we don't have a whole lot to develop that that plan. Now, when I look at this story, I, I think about this. Could Jesus come up with a better plan than Jairus? Absolutely. How much counsel does Jesus give Jairus on the plan? Does he give him any counsel on the plan? When the centurion comes to him with the plan... You don't need to come to my house, just say the word. He can't that's his plan. He's got a problem, too. And he's got a plan. His plan is different. Does Jesus offer any counsel on the plan? When the men lower down the, the man from the rooftop, down in front, does Jesus have counsel about the plan? Now I can keep going on this. What I want you to see is is this. How many times have we had a problem and we come up with a plan and then we hear somebody in our head judge us on it? Well, that's not a very good plan. Well, I don't think God can do that. Or maybe somebody from the outside comes and judges your plan. I want you to go through the Word of God. You're going to have a hard time. I'm not saying it's impossible. But you're going to have a hard time for somebody who comes to Jesus, comes to God, has a plan... Has faith in that plan and meets any opposition from God. Now, sometimes there is a plan. There's no faith in it. Then you got opposition. But you find somebody in the Word of God who has a plan and has faith in that plan, and God doesn't criticize their plan at all. He says, "Let's do it." Ain't that interesting? But I bet you have been your own critic on your own plans, haven't you? I bet you other people have been critics on your plan. I bet the devil has come and criticized your plan. But let's go back to the word on that. How many times has Jesus criticized the plan? Now, is this the only way to get this done? No. I mean, his options aren't, he doesn't have a whole lot of options, but this is not the only way to get it done. But Jesus does not criticize the plan at all. He doesn't offer any counsel in the plan. He doesn't try and alter the plan. He takes the plan. Let's do this. Let's make this work. Now, if God had purposed for this little girl to be sick, we have a whole lot of problems because of the way that Jesus responded. But he came up with a plan. Here's my plan. It involves you coming back with me. There are many people who have non-word-based plans and proclamations, and Jesus doesn't work with that. There's no faith there. But when you have a word-based plan and faith in that plan, God will work with it. Now, what he's got here is a word-based plan. Has Jesus ever gone back with somebody to heal them? Let's read over again what he says. Verse 22, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Here's my problem. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Here's the plan. Come and lay your hands on her. Has he seen Jesus lay hands on people? Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed. He has seen people healed by Jesus laying hands on them. So therefore he has faith that if Jesus lays hands on his daughter that she will be healed too. Come, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. He doesn't say maybe something will happen. Let's just see if she gets well. He makes a very definitive proclamation. She... Will live. Now Jesus doesn't go with him because he begged. This story is not telling us to beg. Jesus went with them because he had faith. That's what gets Jesus' attention. So we have a problem. We have a plan. We have a proclamation. That's a good pattern to follow. If if we would do the same thing. We have a problem. Develop a plan from the word. And proclaim that plan. Now this is far better than just bringing a problem. Have you ever done this? In prayer you bring a problem? This is kind of what it sounds like. Oh God, it's, it's awful. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, it's, ter- this is, this is come and do. This is, I'm feeling this in my body. Oh God, I don't know what to do. We spend most of our time doing this. Now I've taught you this before. Other people have taught it to me even. But I, I will tell you this again just to remind you. The longer You spend in prayer asking God to do something, the more likely you are not in faith. The longer you spend in prayer asking God to do something, the less likely you are in faith. How long does Jesus spend asking God for things? In fact, you'll have a hard time finding Jesus longer than one sentence. Most times, the more you talk, the more opportunity there is for doubt and unbelief. Now, having a, I have, a, I have a, a thing I wanted to do. Max, you're up here in the front. I'm going to use you. Would you take this for me? Now, I am going to... Actually, I'm going to do it this way. I want you to have these just for a little while. I'll need them back. I want you to ask me for them. Yes, you may. All right, that's it. One sentence, right? Now, I want you to ask me for these again, but you need to take at least five minutes. (laughs) 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 Now, see, this is what we do in prayer. It doesn't take long to ask God for something, but it sure takes us a long time to complain and bicker and be in unbelief? How many times if we're asking God for something, oh God, I want you to give this to me. Oh, just, I've been trying to be good. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying for other people. I've been giving to missions. And we just list all the things we're doing. You see, the longer you spend asking God for something, the less likely you are in faith. But you see, we get that religious spirit that comes up on the inside of us that I feel like if I want God to do something, I at least need to spend a little bit of time in it in prayer. But that's not biblical. Now you can spend all the time you want to praising him for it, thanking him for it, but don't spend a whole lot of time asking for it. Find out what God said in his word. This is what you said, and ask for it. How long does J. Iris spend asking Jesus to come? Now, we don't know how long the begging part worked. But once it got over that, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Here's the problem. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Ten seconds? That's even stating the problem. Hmm. Now, Jesus responds not to the begging, but to faith. Faith always gets Jesus' attention. Always. Always got his attention. Now, we're going to jump on down to 35 because we've got a little sub-story in the middle. We're not getting into that story right now. That's just a distraction for us today. It's a great story, though. But for right now, today, it's just a distraction. So, (laughs) we want to stay on Jairus. So, he got off on this. the, the woman with the issue of blood. She came up. And they were talking for a while. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, that's Jesus, while he was still speaking to the woman, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, sometimes we read through this and we miss, we miss a few things. I don't want you to miss this. These are not enemies of the, of the ruler. These are not people that are against him. These are not people that uh, have any, uh, as as far as we can tell, have any ill will towards him at all. This is the ruler of the synagogue. He's a powerful man. They come from his house. That probably means they're on staff. If he's paying your salary, are you going to be obnoxious? No, more than likely, they are trying to be helpful. I want you to see that because how many times have people in your life tried to be helpful and been like these guys? You don't need to have people that are against you. You don't have to have people that are mad at you. You don't have to have people that want to get between you and God. All you need is people that are near you. All right, why you left? While well, we're still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? We've already exceeded the place where we thought he could help. So these messengers came from the house and are likely not trying to undercut his faith, but let him know that because of the Now get this down, the change in conditions, he should likely change his expectations. Have you ever been in a situation where because of the change in conditions, people are trying to tell you to change your expectations? All right, well, when this happens, this is the result. This is where it ends up most of the time. When this goes on, this is where you can expect to go. So they say because of the change of conditions, you need to change your expectations. That's what this ruler is facing right now. Now, he's a ruler of the synagogue. Traditionally, it seems that most of these guys that come out of that group are not real favorable to Jesus. Not all of them. But it seems like a number of them are. He could be one of those that was favorable to Jesus. If he was one who was unfavorable, he got favorable real fast. (laughs) How many people you know, folks that are out there, that when they need something from God, they love them. They show up at church. (laughs) They put something in the offering plate. They wake up early. They start praying, because I need something. When people need something from God, they can get real favorable to Him. Remember that story? I think it was in one of the video teachings we gave you Brother Jesse with the uh, person who was on the plane. The plane was going down. He was an atheist. (laughs) 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 Now you want to call on God? (laughs) Yeah, I love that story. I think it was in one one of the ones we gave you. Or else I just heard it on my own. But when there's a change in conditions, you should likely... Change your expectations. That's what people around you are going to be doing. People that are not against you. People that are on your side. But the conditions changed. So this is what this is what happens. This is what goes on. You gotta change your gotta change your expectations. We can't expect to go this way anymore, because this is this is what happens. Well, gas prices went up. That means you can't drive as far. You've like, you got to lower your expectations. Well, food prices went up. You can't expect to buy as much. And I we'll, want you to change your expectations. You know they sometimes do this when the, the weather people, they like those uh, long-range forecasts. It's it's comical anymore. I just I don't even bother with them. I just laugh at them. I see them. Um, You know, Weather Service predicts a uh, heavy hurricane season this year. What are they trying to get you to do? Alter your expectations because they're telling you something changed. Well, we have a these kind of conditions, and this is favorable to having more hurricanes. They haven't been right yet, but maybe one year they'll get it right. I keep trying to say this is what's going to happen. See, there's a change in conditions. He should likely change his expectations. Now, people often contrive boundaries seeing expectations in excess as unrealistic and harmful. You have felt this often. If you go into the doctor's office, and the doctor office the doctor's office says to you, Well, conditions in your body have changed, and so you need to operate within this sphere now. You need to change your expectations. You need to operate within this this area. You were operating out here. You can't do that no more. Now you need to operate in here. You need to change your your expectations on this on this. So they, they've come up with new boundaries for you. You were operating in this area. But now, no, we need to, need to bring them in. Let's, let's tone down those expectations a little bit. Let's, let's keep those boundaries in here. And this is where we need you to, to operate, to stay. So they've contrived their own boundaries. And they're seeing your expectations, your high expectations. Well, this is success. You, know, you can't expect to do that anymore. You can raise your hand on that. How many people have ever been told by a doctor not to expect to do something anymore? Well, don't expect to do that anymore. Why? they created new boundaries for you. And this is where you need to, need to operate. You need to operate within this, this area. You know, we don't like that. Like Ethan was taking up wrestling. So I, I know if I wrestled for a little while. And when you wrestle, you have a sphere for which you operate. And this is this is the wrestling area. Right in right in here. And so, you know, Ethan comes on into the rink and his opponent is over on the other side of the rink, and then the ref comes out and say, Alright, hold on, guys. Uh, we're gonna change this. And instead of the sphere being like we're gonna bring it in here. Why? Um, well, you know, you guys are small. You not know, as big as the other guys. We're just going to bring it in here. So you have to operate within that level. Um, hmm. Why? See, we would call calling the question there. But when a doctor comes to us and tells us, well, you know, you have this condition, so you need to hone in the expectations. God didn't say it. Now, I want you to see this the people who came from his house are telling him, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Most people who are not Christians have a view that prayer is bothersome to God. Have you noticed that? If if you're not sure that that's so, just... uh, Imagine a non person making this prayer, and you probably can, you probably even heard it. Uh, uh, God is me. Uh, I know we haven't talked much, but I, I need this to happen. I need this job. I need this bill. I need, they need something. They're coming to God. God, I, I need this. And if you'll just do this for me, I will do this for you. Right? I know this is a bother for you, so I'll do something to help you out. Because they feel like prayer is a bother. Sometimes we can adopt that same mentality. Well, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm just a peon out here on the earth. Why is God even mindful of me? Why is He even going to bother with me? And sometimes we lower our expectations because. I don't know that I'm worth it. People often contrive boundaries, seeing expectations in excess as unrealistic and harmful. There are people who will throw cold water on what you have said you believe because they don't want you to get hurt. They're thinking on the inside, well you can believe God for that but I don't think it's going to happen and I don't want you to be disappointed so I need to get you to the place where you're not expecting that so you don't get hurt. And they're trying to get you to tone down your faith. Tone down your belief. Adjust it. Because we don't... I mean it's alright if you have a little bit of high expectations you, know, that you won't get so disappointed when that won't happen. But if you have them out over here, don't believe that your little girl can be raised from the dead. It was okay to believe that Jesus could heal her and maybe, you know, she mostly recovered. That was okay. But you know, this, this expectation that Jesus might raise her from the dead, don't get in that. There's no reason to trouble the teacher anymore. Don't bother with it. Let's just go on. Now, the purpose may be to help you, but they actually weaken your faith. See, so you had an opportunity for God to minister, but that's that's gone. There's nothing more to achieve now. No, he, he can't do anything anymore. Now this occurs lots of times in the Word of God, and it does derail the faith of many believers. It happens in our own life. It does derail the faith of many believers. They were on a path to receive from God. Is Jairus on a path to receive from God. He has he has a problem. He has a plan. He has a proclamation. Jesus picked up on that. Jesus is on his way. Is Jairus on the way to receiving what God said, or Jesus said he was going to do? He is on the way. And then this happens. They were on the path to receive from God. But what a non-believer speaks to us, or maybe even another Christian, what they say to us can get us to stop believing for what we declared by faith based on the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? You can read the Word, build up a faith expectation from the Word, declared this is how it's going to be, and some unbeliever can come along and say something and derail the whole thing. That's what these guys are trying. They're not necessarily trying to do it. That's not their purpose. Their purpose is to help Jairus. Man, I don't envy Your daughter just died. This is terrible. But I don't want you to, to get into a worse spot expecting that, she's going, that something more is going to happen. Jesus can't do anything for her anymore. Just leave him alone. Come on back and mourn. We'll be right there for you. We'll be helping you out. It is easy to fall into the thinking that if such a message comes, it speaks to my lack of faith. But you see, I want you to see how Jesus addresses Jairus. You may have been in the same position that you were going along believing God for a healing in your body. You were going along believing for God to heal someone that you know. Things were progressing along that way, and then all of a sudden a report comes, someone says, someone brings something in, and it seems like the whole thing is now stopped. If Jesus makes the trip, is Jesus not putting his stamp of approval on the plan? Is Jesus not putting his stamp of approval on the proclamation? Do you think that Jesus, in any way, is going to let some unsaved, unregenerated people come into your life and speak something that will change His direction? When Jesus set out, He set out with the intended purpose to follow Him to the house, not to stop halfway in between. He intended to get all the way to the house. That's what He was going to do. He intended it. If you have been assigned something from a parent, one of, you, one of your kids here, mom or dad said, I need you to go and do the vacuum, wash, clean, cut, rake, whatever it is. I need you to go and do that. And you head out in the direction to wash to cut, to vacuum, to dust, to clean. You walk out in the direction and on the way there, get sidetracked and don't accomplish it. Did you do what you were asked? Did you do what you were set out to do? If you say to mama and she comes in and she says, how come this isn't vacuumed how come this isn't cleaned how come this isn't washed how come this isn't cut has and and they say well i i set out to do it but i got sidetracked and i uh, didn't get back to it does that hold water <laughs> no nope no. Mattish M- max is shaking his head no you have been there right <laughs> i have i have been there absolutely You see, it speaks, sometimes people get it, it speaks to my lack of faith because the messengers came and brought the message. My faith should have been there and the messengers should never have had a message to deliver. You ever thought that? You ever gotten bad news and think, well, I got this bad news. Maybe I should have done something that would have prevented this. If that was the case, Manessa and I were sitting there in the, in the, in the waiting room, and she, even, she turned to me and she said, how should I, pray? what kind of advice do we have for this? And so I, I just kind of combed through the scriptures in my head, and I, I said, boy, well, you know what? The only thing I can think of that Jesus ever said to somebody in this kind of situation where the messenger came and delivered something, the only thing I can see is he said, anybody remember what he said? We haven't gotten there yet, but you may remember the story. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. How often do we see that advice given by Jesus and by prophets and by Moses and by others in the Bible? How often do we see that advice? Do not be afraid. The number one piece of advice that you will have if you are facing a situation You come up with a plan and a proclamation and something comes along to derail it. The only advice I can find in the word of God is do not be afraid. I cannot find any place where Jesus, where Moses, where the prophets counseled people and say, well, if you just would have had more faith, you never would have got that message. Jehoshaphat, if you just had more faith, the army never would have come. Children of Israel, if you just had more faith, the Egyptian army wouldn't have decided to pursue you. Does he say that? We don't see these things. But yet, how often do we fall victim that when the report comes, I should have done something different. Maybe I wasn't believing enough. Maybe I didn't say the right prayers. Maybe I didn't act soon enough. We come up with things. And yet here's Jesus giving counsel to this ruler of the synagogue. We're not talking spiritual giant here. We're talking about a person who is steeped in religion. And his advice to him is well, you know, if you would have come to me sooner, He didn't say that, did he? You know, if you would have had a better confession on your way, we've been walking here for a little while and you have said nothing. He doesn't say anything about all that. All he says is, do not be afraid. Only believe. That tells me, Jesus' statement right there tells me that everything Jairus has done has been on point to bring what he wanted and what he asked for. If you are in a situation and bad news has come, it does not mean you are in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, or any such thing like that. It just means a messenger has come. That's it. These particular ones, I believe, were well-intentioned, but they were undermining his faith. This message doesn't mean Jairus failed. Doesn't mean he failed. But if he yields to them, he could fail. There's no failure right now. But if he yields to them, he could fail. If Jairus had given in and became fearful and responded in such, there could have been failure. Now there is no problem with the change or the request as far as Jesus is concerned. Isn't that right? Jesus didn't pull up and say, well Jairus, you know, I didn't come here to raise people from the dead. I came here to lay hands on sick people. And now you want me to lay hands and raise up the dead? I didn't come here for that. That's not what you asked me for. I'm heading back. He didn't do that. Even though the condition changed and now it's worse than it was, in our mind, Jesus says, hey, we got this. Just don't fear. Just don't fear. Don't let the fear in. Now, new information often brings questions. Isn't that right? When you get new information about something, doesn't it bring questions? When the doctor comes and says, well, you got this. How did I get that? Why did that come upon me? What am I supposed to do? But I don't want this restriction. We have questions. Questions come up. Whenever we get new information, questions tend to come up. We ask those questions because I need to get more information on this information that just came to me. Now, Jesus doesn't ask anything to the messengers. Never has any discourse with the messengers. Now, I've mentioned this to you before. I'm not sure. Sometimes I get lost in whether it's Wednesday or, or, or Sunday. <laughs> but I know in one of those times <laughs> we've been focusing on this one, one aspect of, uh, of things that Jesus only needs one person and Jesus works through one person. Constantly in the word of God, we see it. He's working through one. Abraham was believing God. It's like Sarah is out of the picture. That was a Wednesday night we we're going to. It's like Sarah is out of the picture. Sarah's even laughing and that has no part to play in this because she is not who God is working through. He is working through Abraham it's not that he couldn't work through Sarah but he's not working through her on this one with the children of Israel who does God work through Moses good thing he's not working through Aaron he's working through Moses one person one person when Moses dies who's he working through Joshua when Saul takes the kingdom who's he working through until Saul shut it down and then he finds David now he's working through David constantly God is working through one person when Mary is going to bring forth Messiah who's he working through Mary Joseph's not involved now Joseph I'd like you to be a part of this <laughs> I'd like you to you know to stand in there uh, but his faith isn't involved Mary's faith is involved. So many times you'll see this in the Word of God. I can keep on going on this, but He's working through one person. When that one person is identified who we're working through, we stay with it. We we don't move off it. We're on this one person. God stayed on Abraham constantly. i got to get you into this spot. It doesn't matter to me whether anybody else gets into this spot. I need to get you into this spot. That's all that we need. I need you to be in that place of faith. I need you to be in that place where you will receive this. If you will be in that place, if you will be in that, in that, 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 uh, stay in that place of faith where I can use you, if you will do that, we can bring along, we can bring things along. The water came from the rock for the children of Israel because of who? Moses. The Red Sea opened up and they walked across on dry land because of who? The Egyptians were dead because of who? Moses. Now, you can have other people join the team. God is okay with more people joining the team, but I need that one. I need one. He just needs one. That's all we need. That is so often in the in the Word of God. Let's go on here. Now, if we recognize someone as a false teacher or a false prophet, our defenses are up. You won't receive a redirection from them, right? But you get a doctor to walk into the room and tell you you're going to die in six months. Oh. Seems our defenses go down. Why do our defenses go down in cases like the one that Jairus is facing? Now, Jairus went to Jesus for the answer. Does the report of these people, does that report come from Jesus? Does not. Is it submitted to Jesus? It is not. Does it recognize Jesus' power? It does not. Is it in line with what brought me to Jesus? It is not. And yet oftentimes... We will alter what we believe because of this. The report didn't come from Jesus. They didn't submit it to Jesus. They knew Jesus would shoot it down. It doesn't recognize the power that is in the name of Jesus. And it's not in line with what brought me to Jesus. And yet we will often let those kind of reports shoot down our faith. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. That's your advice. When that report comes, it is nothing on your part that the report came. Don't sit there and be self-introspective. Well, if I was only more faith, the doctor wouldn't have come and told me that this is the condition in my body. Don't be messing with that. Here comes the report. All right. Well, they came with this report. Now, there are a couple ways you can do this. You can just say, well, I don't believe that report. Well, apparently the report was true. The report was right. You may have a doctor. You may have a friend. You may have somebody come to you and report something to you that is 100% true. It doesn't change the power of God. Jesus does not deny the report. He doesn't tell him to say, look, just, just declare that she will live. doesn't need him to even do that. Do not fear. Only believe. I say we've seen in, in this week we've seen some reports that came on in uh, for a couple of families on the same day. <laughs> I sent you out the notes about about those things. Same day, people well intentioned. The Bakings were dealing with a doctor of death. Vanessa is dealing with doctors of death, and yeah, she she called me up at one point, and, and um, when things were I mean when they went bad they went bad fast. And so she called me up and she put the doctor on. Oh, this is unusual. Doctor's coming on to (laughs) let me know what's going on. That is so cool of him. He got on the phone. This is so nice. These are my words, Dave. This is so nice of you to get on the phone and to tell me about what's going on. That's not what he was doing. (laughs) He wasn't doing that at all. (laughs) He was coming on uh, on the phone and as he was going through he was telling us, I said, oh man, this is... This is something. So I said, so what you're asking for right now is a decision to either let him die tonight or to do the surgery and put it off. He says, yes. So now I understood why he was talking to me. (laughs) All right. He put Vanessa back on the phone. And so then we had a discussion. And I said, "Um, all I got to do is change my shirt. I'm on my way. So we got him down there. By the time I got there, I was on the phone with her on the on the way down, and um, uh, she said, "Well, we already had to make the decision." And by the time I got there, he was already in surgery. That's how fast they moved on it. Now, of course, they gave all kinds of prognoses, and they understand they have to give what they what they can. But some people are worse at it than others. I mean, some people they want to deliver you the news and let you know, you know, there, there there could be but other people just want to say uh uh no that's not how it's going to be it's kind of like these people come in uh your daughter's dead that's real nice right your daughter's dead Yeah, you know the Bacons were dealing with the doctor of death too and um they called me 4:30 in the morning let me know what was going on and so I got my wife and we we both set out to pray and to uh, to go over it, but they'll come in and they'll give you doctor of death statements. But don't, don't feel like you have to, you have to go along with it. And don't feel like you missed it because you got the doctor of death statement. Doesn't mean you missed it at all. Jairus didn't miss it. Jesus doesn't tell him he missed it. If he, if he did, don't you think Jesus should have told him? He didn't. All he said to him was, do not fear. If he, if he follows the advice of Jesus, is the door still open for Jesus to do this? Oh, yeah. Now let me ask you this. I mentioned this to you before. Where is his wife? She's at home, probably with the with the kid. They're not both leaving. She's probably at home with the kid. Is Jesus dealing with the wife? No. he dealing with? We're going to find this out when we get to the house. Is he deal with his wife? No. I'm sure the wife is on the same page. I would think that she's on the same page. I mean, there's no other page to be on right now. You either get on the page that Jesus is going to help or you go out and bury the, the child. So I'm sure she's probably on that page at, at this point. But Jesus is still not dealing with it. All he is dealing with is who? It's iris. Oh, get into this, this story. You'll see that even more. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Now from faith's point of view, the problem is never in what we face, but always in what we fear. Oh, I tell you what, get that down. The problem is not in what we face, but always in what we fear. Very often the devil will try and get you to focus on what you face. What the doctor says, you are facing. What Jesus says, no, don't worry about what you're facing. Look at what you are fearing. What you're facing is nothing. What you fear is everything. The world flips it. If you don't have fear, then you're not facing this thing right. That's not how Jesus looked at it. This is Jesus' advice. Now, I hope you can get that. I've given you this one before. You may have forgotten. Fear and worry are not afraid of the presence of God, but flee our faith in God. Fear and worry are not afraid of the presence of God, but flee our faith in God. I can prove that to you. How many times have you been fearful and worried about a situation in your life? You walked into the most anointed worship service you'd ever been in, and you still felt the fear and the worry. Fear and worry are not afraid of the presence of God. They will exist in the presence of God just fine, but not in the existence of faith. Faith will drive them out. Fear and worry don't care if you worship God all day long, as long as you don't get into a place of faith. I'm not saying the worship won't have an effect on you. Same faith is what you need in that situation. If you need a hammer, a wrench will not do. When you need faith, it is not a time to break out the worship. It is a time to break out the faith. Worship is good. Worship can do all sorts of stuff. But when you need faith, you need faith. You gotta put that to work. Now even though Jairus, or Jesus is right next to Jairus, fear knocked on his door. Same with Peter on the water, right? Even though Jesus is right next to Jairus, fear is knocking on the door. Don't think for a moment that because fear knocked on your door, it meant you're away from Jesus. He is right next to Jesus. Jesus is focused on Jairus. We're doing dealing with his situation. And fear knocks on his door. Jesus, sorry, Peter, answers the words of Jesus. Come. And he jumps out on the water. He is walking on the water. Wa- Can you be more in the presence of God than walking on the water? He is walking on the water. That is the presence of God right there. And he looks at the waves and the wind and fear and worry get hold of him. Fear and worry are not afraid of the presence of God. But they cannot stay when there's faith. We're trying to drive up Fear and worry were the wrong thing. Now, there's no faith in imitation. You can't imitate other people's faith. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? They imitated. It didn't work. Until we are ready to obey that general command that is in the Word of God over and over and over, do not fear, do not worry, we will not receive or be ready to act on the specific command when it comes. I gave you some references there. You can go and look those up if you want to. They talk about don't worry, don't be anxious, things uh, along those lines. If you want to just brush yourself up on that, they're in there for you. Don't be saying this, well, it's just my personality to worry. Sure it is. It's called flesh. Some people are more prone to flesh than others. Get it out. Just because it's in there doesn't mean you should do it. Can you imagine? If you as a child were disobedient and then told your your mom or your dad, it's just my personality. Will that work? <laughs> your mom or dad say, yeah, your personality of sin. Come on over here. I keep this in mind for you. Faith combats fear, not symptoms. Faith combats fear, not symptoms. Is the daughter still dead? But you see, he didn't give in. The, he didn't pick up the fear. The symptoms are still there. Sometimes the devil wants you to say, "Look, the symptoms are still there. You're obviously not in faith." Faith combats fear. You know, drive it out. Just because what you face doesn't change doesn't mean your faith is not working. I I think I wrote that in there for you. It's in mine. I want you to make sure you keep that. Just because what you face doesn't change doesn't mean your faith is not working. doesn't mean your faith isn't alive. The enemy wants you to think so so that you'll stop. So that you'll pick up the fear. He wants you to act on what other people have been saying. Verse 37. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Jesus does not put the rest of the people out until the rest of the people identify themselves as scoffers. And then he does not spend an ounce of time trying to change them. Because I don't need you to be in faith. Who does Jesus need to be in faith? Jairus. That's it. As long as Jairus is in faith, I don't care what the rest of y'all do. Y'all can just get out, out of the room. Just get out of here. You could be in the hospital room and everybody's making all kinds of commotion. Just get them out of the room. That's it. Just get them out of the room. I don't need to change them. You don't need to go out there and preach to them. You don't need them to change their opinion of whether God can do this or not. You do not need a doctor of death to proclaim life into your situation for you to have it. You don't need it. You don't need to preach to them and change them. You don't need to convert them. Just go on and do what God is going to do. Let God do it. And that will have an effect on them folks. These people, they're they are scoffing. You come out with a live 12-year-old child, they're not scoffing anymore. You could have preached all day long, not changed them. You go in the room, you raise the child up from the dead, come on back out, they all stop. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. I don't know how you're going to keep that secret. <laughs> what do you mean no one should know it? We've got a whole bunch of people out there, they're just mourning her. We're going to bring her out, they're kind of going to, they're going to know something happened. I don't know what Jesus is expecting there. (laughs) Don't let someone else's declaration undo your proclamation. Other people are going to come into your life and they're going to to declare things over your expectations. They're going to declare things over what you believe God will do. Do not let their declarations undo your proclamation. He proclaimed something, didn't didn't he? You come to the house, she will live. And I hope you get this one. Something said based on sight cannot undo what was stated based on faith. There is not a single doctor of death out there who's going to walk into your room and tell you anything based on faith. They're going to tell you something based on sight. Every single one of them. In the past, this is what happens when people have this condition. In the past, this is what's going on when this happens. In the past, this is where it is based, it's based totally on sight. Do not let what someone said based on sight negate what you said based on faith. Unless you let it go or become fearful, that thing is going is to come about. What they said in sight cannot negate Cannot undo what you stated in faith, unless you let it go. Unless you become fearful. So they laughed at Jesus. Don't feel badly about putting doubters out of the room. You got doubters. I don't care if they're family. If they doubt, get them out. See ya. You deal with the problem. You deal with the doubters later. People can state the obvious but that doesn't mean that they're right. There's people out there, they can state the obvious but it does not mean that they are right. Now we need to fight, we need to fight, a when we need to, say saying this wrong, when we need to fight a battle that another believer cannot, this little girl may have been strong enough to utter words, but she was no strength to fight. And dad took up the fight for her. But now she's dead. I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but dead people don't talk. And can't say anything. Unconscious people don't talk. They don't say anything. What she says makes no no difference because who is Jesus dealing with? Jairus. It's all that matters. This is the one. She's under his authority. He has the ability to, to step in there for them. You sometimes will pray for people that emotionally you're attached to, but you have no authority. Doesn't mean that you can do something. Doesn't mean you can't. But she obviously is not going to be able to pray herself out of this situation, is she? But the only thing that was told, do not Fear. If what happens in life is the will of God, if whatever happens in our life is the will of God, as some Christians believe, well, if it happened, God must have wanted it to. If what happens in life is the will of God, why does Jesus go with Jairus? Or Jairus? Why does he go? Well, Jairus, This happened. God must have some reason for it. Just sit back and let God do whatever he's going to do. No, he goes. He makes, he makes a declaration, Jesus makes a declaration of healing by following Jairus, doesn't he? If Jesus follows Jairus without challenging any of the things he said, does he not agree with what Jairus has said? The um, thing that you see with Jesus is not only does he go with Jairus, not only does he make the declaration of healing by going and following him, Jesus does not change when the situation gets worse. It's not like he was surprised. It's not like he was thrown. It got worse. Just because your situation got worse, the enemy is going to whisper in your ear it's worse your faith isn't up for this you had fifty dollar faith now you need five hundred dollar faith you had five hundred dollar faith now you need thousand dollar faith he's he's trying to you don't have that just because the situation changed and got worse doesn't mean Jesus changed notice he speaks to Jabbers, not to the reporters I don't care what your reporters are thinking. I don't care what you're thinking. You don't matter. Put out of the room all those who contradict. Now, I want you to notice that it's about Jesus. Jesus very seldom, in fact, I don't know if you can ever find Jesus do this in the recorded parts we have. I don't ever find Jesus yanking anyone up. I never see him reach down and grab them and pull them up. Now, Peter and John, you may say, Well, he did that at the gate, but if you go back into the story and you look at it, he reached down and grabbed him, and the man jumped. But most times you have Jesus coming on the scene. He has the man who's been let down on the bed, and what's he say to the man who's been let down on the bed? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. What's he say to the man, the lame man, at the pool? Rise, take up your bed. And walk. Jesus doesn't yank him up. Jesus doesn't yank up the man who was lowered. Jesus doesn't yank this young lady up. He takes her by the hand. And he speaks to her. The devil has gotten into a lot of Christians to think, if you do not make a move and yank somebody up, you are not in faith. And so people start yanking and doing things. Now, if God told you to yank somebody up, then you do it. I know Smith Bugglesworth has some stories of things that he had to do. That's a different anointing that was operating on him. That's the working of miracles. But don't feel like, well, I have to go in there and do some kind of act of faith. We'll show you this in some other stories later on. But understand, Jesus doesn't do the acts of faith when he's doing miracles. Go through the Word of God. When you get home today, go home and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and just, just sit down before dinner and just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just read them all right at the same time. And just you see if you can find a story, find a place where Jesus did an act of faith. He spoke to them. They did the act of faith. They did it. But you see, the devil has gotten us under condemnation because if you won't do this act of faith, if you won't go into the hospital room and yank them out of the bed, if you won't go in and, and shut this down, if you won't go in and whatever. No, see, the act of faith is not on your part as the prayer for someone who can't pray or, or act on their own. Here's this, here's this girl. What's she going to be able to do? She's dead. Jesus takes her by the hand. And he says to her, Arise. Now, it took faith to speak some of the things that Jesus said. But he doesn't yank anybody up. Don't get under guilt and condemnation because if you feel like the person that you're praying for, you've got to walk into the room and yank them up out of the bed, uh, yank them up out of the chair, yank them up out of whatever it is that they're doing. You don't. But if you're going to pray for someone who's in a comatose state, you've got to act like Jesus did. You got to be like Jesus did. You get into a situation where someone that you are praying for—in this particular case, his daughter—and you get the news; it's not good. Do not fear. Now your emotions can get you. Your emotions can can play with you. My emotions can get to me. You know, the same day I got something going on with a granddaughter. And a really good friend. That can play on your emotions. You get your emotions involved, you can start to fear. I got up Saturday morning, early. Kids were still at our house. They are all sleeping upstairs. And So um, I, was, I was glad. I was able to sleep until 6 a.m. on Saturday. Which is, which is good, because usually when the sun comes up, I'm up. And um, didn't, get, didn't get home until about two. But I got on up and I just said, no, I'm just going to park myself down here and just pray for a while. I just prayed in the Spirit. Get myself built up. And I just got built up, received that rejuvenation from God. All right, we can face this, this stuff. We're ready for this. God can have more than one person in faith for a situation. But all he needs is one. That's all he needs. I don't need to convert the people in my life that are doubt and unbelievers. I don't need to convert them. You guys can say anything you want to. You have no effect in this thing at all. Just get out of the room. I don't think they would have had much of an effect if they were in the room, but Jesus, let's get them out. Let's follow Jesus' example and get them out of the room. Don't get under guilt and condemnation that you need to do something for somebody who can't pray on their own. See, that's pressure. The devil knows that under pressure you will do things, you will say things, you will act in ways that you won't do otherwise. If he can get you under pressure, he can get you to make a a stupid move. Don't do it. Don't give in to the pressure. All that does is derail your faith. Jesus declared things. Whenever he declared things, he declared them out loud and often in public. But a crowd is never sought or needed. He would declare the same thing whether there's two people in the room or if he was in the midst of a crowd. It didn't matter to him. You don't need a crowd to prove your faith. If God gives you something to declare, declare it. Yeah, but I'm afraid if I say that, people will come back to me if it doesn't happen. See, that's where your problem is. If you're in a situation and the person is laying comatose, unconscious, unable to pray for themselves, then you could be the one that it comes down to. God is looking for someone that he can use. He just needs one. He does not need a whole bunch of people. He needs one. And every time I see it in the Word of God, whenever he found that one, he focused completely on that one. You could be that one. Won't matter what the other people in the family say. All that matters is that you do not fear. Jesus didn't speak to everybody else that was around the room, that was around Jairus, and say, don't fear, don't fear, don't, don't fear, stop the fearing. He didn't, he didn't mess with anybody only Jairus. That was it. Here's the first thing we need to learn from this story. This is one of the best stories to talk about people who can't pray for themselves, but it is not the only one. When bad news comes, whether you are praying for something for yourself or you are praying for something for someone, you're in a position to be able to do that. And bad news comes do not think you messed up. Do not think you did anything wrong. Just do not fear. That's the first thing you've got to battle. The enemy very often wants us to question, God, why did this happen? Nope, that's not what you need to do. First thing you need to do is don't fear. Don't fear the out, the uh, the outcome that whoever came to you sent. Don't fear it. Be strong. Be steadfast. Don't move off of it. This is what we said. This is what God said. This is what I'm doing. People will come to you, but they won't be from God. And you should not alter your faith for them. And even if you enlisted God to come and to help you in a situation, that suddenly turned worse than what it was. Don't, don't, don't let it go. Don't, oh, well, this is too much for God. Or this is too much for God to do for me. Uh-uh, that's not it. Now, two, three weeks we're probably going to spend on this to, to go over that. I want you to see, because we haven't touched this part of it yet. If you have said negative words in the past, how do you overcome them? What, what can you do to fix that? We're going to tell you. We're going to show you in the Word of God how to, how to fix that. We're going to show you more principles on what you need to do to pray for those who cannot pray for themselves and to set yourself up that if you ever get into a position like this little girl was, that the people that are around you will have no trouble praying for you, standing with you. Pulling you out of that. There, there are things you can do. There are stories in the Word of God that will help us, and um, we'll get into. I think we might get into that one next week. I don't know. Um, I got, I got uh, two more stories I really want to, to go over with you. But these things, I love these, I love these stories in the Word. But you can change it. You can change your situation. And then we look at situations. Uh, both of the people that uh, uh, the Bacon's, Vanessa, they're both dealing with well if these things in the brain. They won't revive. These are the things that they're they're saying. But God took Lazarus. I'm pretty sure his brain was affected by dying. <laughs> kind of think that it is. Um, he seemed to come back without any problem at all. There are other stories like that in the Word of God. But don't take your faith from people in the world. Take your faith from the Word of God. Don't put your faith in good reports. You've got to get yourself set that these people may never bring a good report and I don't care. I got my report. I got what God is going to do. How many times in the Word of God can we go through the stories? How many bad reports were coming to Israel when they are trapped in the Red Sea? How many people had bad reports? Only one guy had a good report. That's Moses. Right now they don't like him. He's the only one who's got a good report. The enemy will constantly send people your way with bad reports. And if this bad report didn't work, well, let's get this one in here with this bad report. And if that one doesn't work, well, we got another one over here. Let's send them in, and let's send in this bad report. All he cares about is getting you to doubt the fear. Do not fear, only believe. we'll pick this up here next week. Go over some more of those those things. We have our communion Sunday and our communion elements are ready. for our ushers will come and bring those up. That's um